Welcome to the Gatecast and our journey through the Stargate, through SG-1, Atlantis and Stargate Universe. Destiny. The design is clearly ancient, launched hundreds of thousands of years ago. We are on a ship, but we have no idea where we are in relation to Earth. These are the wrong people in the wrong place. Sure did. Why'd you do that? He told me to. I have a gun. What happened? Greer. Greer shot him. Each week, Alan and Mike will be following the adventures of the crew of the Destiny, along with one or two guest hosts. Join us for everything that is Stargate Universe. Welcome to this week's episode of the Gatecast Podcast, a show dedicated to a look at the live-action movies and TV series of the Stargate franchise, with the odd disparaging remark about the animated series. This week, Alan and myself are joined by Steve. Regular listeners will notice some changes, so please bear with us. Due to some surprising technical difficulties this week's episode and next week's, while they seem to have recorded just fine on closer examination or simply loading them into audition, revealed added audio segments whenever anyone was talking. The result is that they were both pretty much useless. The easiest option would have probably been to record both episodes again, not the first time we've done this, but coming to the end of the year schedule that was tricky to arrange, so I was able to obtain truncated recordings of the commentary proper from both Alan and Steve, but that still means most of my side of the recording will have to be done on the fly as I edit, and kept in context of course with the other sides of the conversation. I haven't got a clue what I said. At this point, I'm not quite sure how this is going to come out, but for sure the podcast will certainly be shorter, as we've lost the bookend audio. And you know, already I think it may have made more sense to record the episodes again. So, here we are. Welcome, once again, to the Gatecast, and this week we're going to be taking a look at Stargate Universe Season 2, Pathogen, with our guest Steve. As is the norm, the video we are watching was taken from the Region 2 DVD, and has a runtime of 41 minutes and 48 seconds, which, of course, is shorter than the Region 1 release and the HD broadcast due to the frame rates. If you want to watch along with us, then we are currently looking at a black screen with a counter set to zero, and surely Alan will give us a 3-2-1 countdown, and when he says clicky, press play, and you should be in sync. If you are just going to listen, and after all, the podcast is presented as such, then press play and sit back and enjoy the episode. Hopefully it may encourage you to take another look at Stargate Universe if you haven't since its original broadcast, or maybe visit it for the first time. If, like many, the changing style from SD1 Atlantis soured you on Universe. How to continue a television series after a major actor has left the cast. Part 1. The Quatermass Method Simply recast a new actor in the original role. Hope that no one notices that a familiar character now looks completely different. This was also famously used in the James Bond films. For more about British science fiction television, Listen to the British Invaders podcast at www.britishinvaders.com. So this is where we start to make use of the original Skype recordings. Hopefully it won't be too off-putting. Come try ya! Right then. Steve, pick a language from the 12 I know. Uh, still doesn't include ancient then. <laughs> I don't think we've seen numbers. Oh, we've seen them written down, but I don't believe we've heard them pronounced. That's just the Latin, isn't it? Uh, my Latin doesn't go beyond the parodic Veni Vedi Visa. <laughs> I'm sure we saw something in the movie, if you remember on the old walls. Well, they, they try, I think, did it even last? It didn't last past the pilot, did it? Yeah, you mainly got that in the first film, and that was it. The people speaking other languages and Daniel translating them. Did we get even the Mongols spoke English? And that were episode two. Yeah, we all understand that the demands of television means all aliens speak English. A friend of mine was very critical, he said. How come he goes from not being able to understand anything they're saying to suddenly speaking the language fluently? Oh, that's easy. Share offered the basics. Anything else, Daniel had to ask for. <laughs> We saw a lot more of her in Children of the Gods. Yeah, yes we did. Different actress, though. Same character. But you haven't actually... Okay, aside from ancient, Steve. Let's go with English. I think I can deal with that. Ooh, that's an unusual one. 
A three, a two, a one, clicky. This is what destiny intended from the moment it entered the star system. Well, here we go then. Nicholas Rush once again giving us the lowdown. On Pathogen, Season 2, Episode 4 of Stargate Universe. Gatecast Episode 334. This episode was written by Carl Binder and directed by Robert Carlyle. First premiered in America October the 19th, 2010, the same night as in Canada. Sweden, December the 17th, 2010, Germany, February the 17th, 2011, and Hungary, April the 7th, 2014. Couldn't find any dates for the UK or Australia. Surprisingly, no other shows with episodes of the same name. There were, however, two movies, both in 2006 named Pathogen, and one short. And speaking of short, that was short and sweet. Let's get back to the action. We're shot. There is no leg wound. It's almost completely healed. How is that possible? I don't know. Don't remember that scene at all where he mentions his mother getting HIV. It was time, I think, it was mentioned, wasn't it? Yes, it was. In the heart-to-heart with TJ. Tells her when uh, he was 14, his mother got infected by a junkie in the ER. Are you okay? Isn't that a pretty shot? One thing I did notice is the screen. It looks like almost the screen you see every now and then when they're sort of transferring things. Yes, it does. Interesting interface. Sleepwalking, eh? Okay, then. I, I got a question. Does she seriously sleep with that many clothes on? I've got to say, the lighting in this scene does make Chloe look interesting. Much darker hair, darker complexion. I got a question. Does she seriously sleep with that many clothes on? The thing is, I mean, if she sleepwalk, can she sleep dressed and then sleepwalk? I just mean noticing. No, no, you're right. She's been acting different. She's quiet and drawn. We should talk to her about it. I did. Hopefully you were tactful about it, but then again, it is you. And... Nothing. She wasn't in a mood. She was too busy writing in her diary. Didn't the... I thought the Lucy and the Lions brought those. I was kind of therapy for her as all the stress of being on a ship. Oh, and what about that gunshot wound on her leg? No one heals that fast. How do you explain that? I don't. I just admire the leg. And the other one. While I'm at it. You need to use the stones. Your mother is sick. Oh, no. Is she... I don't know the details, just that they want you to come back soon. I don't think we've ever seen Eli move that fast. Yes, Scott. Other people have got bigger concerns. Rush all alone on the Bridge of the Destiny again. Kept company by what is probably the AI of the ship in the guise of Gloria, his dead wife. Just enough a bit if you want, love. He deserves it. Well, to quote Discworld, you know, anxiety and stress is largely caused by hormones and glands. Manipulating the countdown clock is um, complicated, to say the least. (laughs) Yes, I'm aware of that. I did it. This is Dr. Franklin, of course, played by Mark Burgess. Wonderfully deadpan delivery. Made worse by one man trying to do the work of an entire crew. Well, for now, I just need to control the countdown clock. And if you are indeed the ship... Why aren't you helping me? I thought they, uh, hadn't the triple cocktail been developed at this point? Well, the thing is, they know they came out of FTL because although we don't see it anymore, you always got that little thing that happens that we saw in the first episodes. Yes, I'm aware of that, thank you. But again, no gates in range. And now we're banking left, changing course again. Doesn't make sense. Give it some thought. You'll figure it out. Dr. Rush? In the world, in the words of Jung... He's hard work. Look, I'm sorry, I can't get away right now. Where are you? What are you doing? Rush out. This is getting ridiculous. Too right, it's getting ridiculous. When are they going to call him on it? They just sit back and complain and let him get on with it. It's ridic- it is ridiculous. Now this bit is a little goof, because they say AVR when it's ARV. We've restarted the AVR therapy and we're successfully treating the pneumonia. Because it stands for antiretroviral treatment. They get the V and the R the wrong way round. That is Dr. Brightman, we've seen in uh, four other episodes of Stargate, played by Alison Down, recently been in 12 Monkeys. Clearly suffering from depression. One of our psychiatrists has been treating her but hasn't made much progress, which is why we sent for you. Look, whether here or at home, she has to want to get better. There's no room for error now. If her counts drop below 200... Yeah, yeah, I know. 
Well, it definitely sounds like Marianne has been living for her son. I wonder with our Eli if she'd have given up long before now. But obviously months away with no contact, it's taking its toll. Eli looking at his own reflection. You handsome devil, you. But your mother, she won't recognise you. Where are the crumpets? <laughs> I think that's on the next visit. Is it? That's the next visit. Because they cut, they cut a load of stuff out. So all of a sudden it's just like, <laughs> oh yeah. Because they sort of appear from his hand. And then they're all of a sudden they're next to her. <laughs> I've been working with your son, Eli. She doesn't look well. So just the expression on her face just looks so drained. Yeah, he really wanted to be here, but the military, they got him pretty tied up. He, he's doing great things, though, working really hard. Well, that may be so, but he's not here, is he? And that is kind of the point. To a mother at home, knowing that her son was with the US military, she probably couldn't even imagine anything that would prevent her son from coming home, unless she wasn't being told the whole truth. He knows you're not fine. He told me about your condition. He heard you stop taking your meds, and he's really... Really what? Come on, this better be good. Really worried about you. Oh, was that it? Not enough to be here himself. Bloody good question, Mother Wallace. And that is the crux of the matter. Oh, I like this bit. She speaks in another language, just to make sure. <laughs> it's so good. It's a bit like the SGC, where they have the little code word, so they know who's there. <laughs> Yeah, it's me. It's just checking. <laughs> wow, that is a very detailed close-up of Destiny. See, he doesn't go to bed with loads of clothes. <laughs> ah, the famous L-shaped cheese. You, you and me, relationship. I mean, if we met in a different situation away from the ship, would we still be together? No. Mainly because you would never have started a relationship. She would have looked down upon you. And certainly from Scott's point of view, there are easier marks than Chloe, with her father still alive. Relationships and... I, I just want to make sure that I don't mess this up. You've been kind of quiet lately, so I, I start wondering, thinking, God, she... Yeah. Yes, unfortunately from our point of view, that looks a very old and calculating change of position by Chloe, to distract Scott a bit. Ta-da, your favourite. Mm. I'm really missing your cooking. Mm, microwave's getting a lot of work, huh? <laughs> yeah, and take out, mostly take out. Another drink? Yep. <laughs> Just like Rush, rather worrying. Everything okay? Of course. You're here. Everything is perfect. Ah. Mm. It's really good. There seems to be a lot more going on beneath the surface there. Go. Varro, Simeon, Coz, played by Mike Dopo, Robert Nepper, and Primo Allon, respectively. Greer is like. They're dangerous. We should kill them all. I beg to differ. We're not doing it without strings attached. Young looks weird with glasses. And this intel, the more they give, the more they get. Decisions made, Sergeant. The Colonel is enjoying a beverage. Yeah, but is it actually water? Well, the container is certainly one we've seen Brody use for the still. Yeah, but they're probably lacking containers. He may just be reusing one. <laughs> you want to know what it was he actually said. Yeah, there were more to that conversation. Morning. Your answer looks terrible. She looks sleep deprived. Well, I would imagine the loss of a child, even with the hallucination or visitation, if you will, has had an impact on her physically and emotionally. Hey, oh, what's Simeon up to? Whoa. It's a good start. Hey, what's going on here? She's making conversation. No, no, you apologize to her. Why? Apologize. All right, take it easy. Think you can tell me what to do? As a matter of fact, I do. I'm not trying to. Oh! You don't mess with my people. I'm just talking to them. You don't talk to anyone. Greer does not need a weapon. 
to harm people. Prayer is a weapon. To the mass of manners. I'm sorry, I'm not trying no, no, to... No, no, sister, the more you talk, the longer you'll be locked up. I still expect him to sort of start sucking his fingers with a fake hand. And which is Greer playing the psycho on him, which is Greer just engaging in his crazy side? Chloe's missing. Colonel wants us to form search teams and look for her. You work yourself to exhaustion. Much work to be done. Lack of sleep leads to carelessness. I needn't remind you that two lives have already been lost. And here's Mrs. Rush back to torment Nicholas. Or the Destiny's AI, whichever way you want to look at it. Or maybe a hallucination. Maybe we'll find out, maybe we'll not. I know. Sorry. My behavior. Unacceptable. Yeah, it was. Very nice set design and lighting there for that scene. Not quite sure how that would naturally come about, but looks great. We made a deal. We give you information. Freedom. And I intend to hold up my end of that deal. You can trust me. <laughs> of course we can trust him. It doesn't help that Simeon is played by Robert Nepper, who can create some wonderfully complex bad guys. I expect him to grow fangs and start sucking people's blood. And why can't she just open a box? <laughs> why is she struggling with a screwdriver? <laughs> Maybe if she opens the box, it'll start to glow. Lieutenant Scott, we found her. Copy that. What are you looking for? My keys. You can't find your keys. No, I thought they were in my purse, but... Oh, ladies and gentlemen, this is a first. You know, you've never misplaced anything as long as I can... Are you going to help me find them or not? Oh, dear. Now, that's the first from Sharon. Rather sharp. There's only so much time off she can take. I'm sorry. No, she isn't. It's just I'm late and I can't... There they are. They're on the side now. (laughs) Oh, this isn't good. I've done that. I was bringing the groceries in yesterday. Idiot. It's okay. No, it's not, because anyone could have walked in here and taken Sharon, all of our things. They could have... Sh- Sharon. Sharon is kind of spinning out of control, letting all the little things get to her. I'll be an hour at most, maybe two. I'll call you if anything changes. Oh, she's not sure of herself, not very decisive. Camille has a lot to worry about. Eli's back to visit his mother. And he's got a bag of crumpets in his left hand. Yes, those uh, mysterious magical crumpets we've mentioned earlier. Doctor said you'll be out of here in no time. And there will be crumpets for you. Hot buttered crumpets. It's been months now, nothing. It's not like him. Yeah, and that is the point. Eli has probably not gone a week without being in touch with his mother. Either literally present in the house or talking to her on the phone. Especially since the incident. Grease. No, there's another one. Sound of music? (laughs) (laughs) That's not your favourite movie. (laughs) I'm not a fan of... E.T. Never seen it. Right? No? That's your favourite. What? To be honest, it never really appealed to me. Either enough to go to the cinema or get it onto, you know, VHS at the time. And then when the BBC, I think, bought the rights for a million quid, I didn't watch it because I objected to them spending that sort of money. <laughs> uh, there's one thing you can guarantee in life is that the BBC will waste huge amounts of money. You see, the government, they have this program, the Stargate program. It, and what a, a Stargate is, is it's, it's like a doorway. It allows you to step through and travel great distances through space, halfway across the universe in some cases. Why are you telling me this? Because I am Eli. Where's Daniel Jackson's video when you need him? <laughs> I'm on a ship far, far away, but my consciousness is in this person's body. It really is me. Mom, I am your son. Such a look of disbelief. <laughs> oh. You have no memory of going into the storage room? No. Huh. I would have thought her eyes would have reacted a little stronger than that, with the light shining directly into them. Yeah, you would have thought they would have dilated a lot more. Then why aren't you naked? 
Those aliens used the communication stones to take control of Lieutenant James. Because we forgot to reset them. It was just in the communications lab. The stones are clean. Listen, there doesn't seem to be anything physically wrong with you that I can tell. I need an EEG or a CAT scan to be more thorough. Well, CAT scans and EEGs are a little out of the question at the moment, so all they can do is really observe her overnight. Once the stone is in place and the device is turned on, you actually swap consciousness with the person on the other end. Uh, you go into their body and then they go into yours. The thing is, it's this episode that you realise why he may have been so reluctant to actually get a job. I don't understand. I, I know, I know, it's weird. Where is Eli? He's on a ship. Okay, the Destiny. On the other side of the universe. When is he coming home? I don't know. It's, it's a long, long way. Billions of light years from Earth. How did he get there? The Stargate, Mom. Okay. Okay, Stop Mom. Stop calling me that. You are not my son. Because that's one of the questions that we raised at the beginning. It's just like, well, why is he not wanting to get a job? Why is he just sitting around? When you watch this episode, it made me think, ah, he wants to be there for his mum, doesn't want to go away to college or university or anything else. His mum's ill, he wants to be there for her. But I needed to be strong for you. I don't know. I still think bringing another wage into the household would have been beneficial. If she'd got some sort of compensation because it, it happened at work. Yet she still works. Yeah, well, that might be because she chooses to, not that she needed to. So all I'm saying is it made me think that that is the reason why he wasn't interested in going away somewhere. Please, Mom, it really is me. Nurse, I, I, I know nurse, it's a lot to take in. Mom, nurse, please. please leave. Oh, dear. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. And what is little Scotty doing? He's in Chloe's room. He's looking at the table. He's up to no good. Surely not going through her unmentionables. Ah, her diary. Ah, that's the relationship ender. And just uh, the photo, it's sort of like, photo says, right, this is where sanity stops and alien languages begin. It does look a lot like ancient. Well, it looks like some of it is ancient characters. Who's your daddy? And then... Yeah, but is it weird? Does that look less like ancient and something more like a language a teenager's made up? A bit like, sort of, she's writing in Alien, but there was no direct translation to what she was trying to record. And I remember where I saw them, in the crashed alien ship. Some of this I understand, but most of it's too far advanced. But they must have done something to her, planted something in her brain. You said she didn't have any tracking devices in her. No, she didn't. Not I was aware of. Send her out the airlock. Yep, it's the only way to be sure. Now, there's only one opening part of a statement which ends it's the only way to be sure. Apologies, I suppose you're right. But she'd still probably survive. What, between the nuke and the so low Earth orbit? I'd give her odds. Can I just lock her Until up? Until we know what's wrong with her, I can't risk letting her walk around free on the ship, can I? Well, you can, and many a sci-fi horror movie has started that way. Frequency of her blackouts, where she goes, what she does. We might gain more insight into what's actually happening. Certainly quicker than isolating her in a room. You can always count on Rush to be pragmatic. He's seen that Chloe could be an asset, keep her interacting with the crew, give her something to do, exploit her, not just lock her up. Hey. This scene between Camille and Eli was shot on location. It was raining, and then it started snowing. Very, very cold day. Between takes, had to wipe down the tables, <laughs> wipe down the actors even. One of the reason why the, the windows are always wet when it comes to all these car scenes. T-cell counts are stable now that they've restarted her therapy, but she's... Depressed. I was always worried she might give up if something happened to me. And now she's... Nothing's happened to you. She doesn't even know it's me. I tried to tell her, but as far as she's concerned, the military took her son away. Won't even tell her where he is, or won't let him talk to her. Yeah, that, that's got a certain Jimmy Savile feel to it. Okay, then. I would give up, too. Eli, no one is giving up. <laughs> Liar. <laughs> well, you've got to hope for the best, anyway. And you need to make her understand that. Too right. Eli's got to make her understand that her son is coming home. And the reason he isn't communicating with her is not because he doesn't want to, it's because he can't. How he does that? Well, 
That's the difficult part. She looks delighted with that. Time for a shift change. I'll take over from here. Oh, it's, it's okay. I don't mind. Colonel's orders, I'm afraid. Yeah, of course, the, the Colonel's orders. Sorry, but I don't trust Rush one bit. Yes, Rush will keep an eye on her all right. Beady little eyes. My precious. Come with me. If you want to live. Wolf crazy! Where'd he get out of the shark? As you may or may not know, all of the science equations used in Stargate were actually created by real scientists. The majority by Micah McKinnon. The biggest drawback, of course, is that uh, they so often had to be wiped. They got around that problem simply by photographing all the equations so that uh, standard prop dressers could emulate them. But every equation up on the walls is legitimate in one form or another. Take your time. You just got to feel sorry for the scientists, especially when it came to like the whiteboard on the first episodes where they kept being rubbed out and to keep redoing it. <laughs> The look at her is just like, great, so now it's a child that figures out everything I've been working for for years, and now it's someone who has no experience at all in anything. It's <laughs> a good response. <laughs> yeah. Writing away, almost like automatic writing. Looks like... Yep, coming to an end, and now handing the chalk over with a puzzled expression. Varro in his cabin, and a close-up of the lamp. That will become a thing. DJ. The ancients probably figured they'd be here a while, might as well give themselves some measure of comfort. How long would they be taking along with us? As long as you give them reason to. Unfortunately, a number of the crew believe that the Lucian Alliance are a threat inherent. Therefore, they should have guards all the time. It's going to be pretty difficult to prove you're trustworthy unless somebody trusts you. Colonel Young has decided to release him, but if he slips up again... I'll talk to him. We're trying to make this work. He needs to try harder. Why does that have to be a threat? Well, not really a threat, but a complication. Interesting as well, that Varro indicates that there's more to Simeon than meets the eye. Hey. Uh, there you are. Looking all over for you. You didn't answer your radio, so I thought... Sorry. Lost track of time. She's all yours. Ah, yes. The Titanic scene. Or would it be Romeo and Juliet? What, life through yonder Stargate breaks? <laughs> what were you doing? He, uh, wanted me to look at some equations. See if I understood them. When you take a look at SG-1, we know we had multiple level sets. But obviously there wasn't a great deal of interaction between the control room, the conference room and the gate room. In Atlantis, of course, you did get conversations going between people on the command deck and, and the gate room. Basically it was all one big room. Here though, in Universe, you have very definite two-tier, three-tier sets. Conversations taking place, meetings taking place, and it really works for this show. You okay? Wine again? That's why she keeps going out shopping. <laughs> you know, you're probably right. Sharon's probably getting through at least a bottle every night. Of course, she could buy them online, they could deliver. You know, I doubt she's going for quality over quantity, although, hey, maybe she's a sophisticated alcohol abuser. Or maybe we're reading too much into it, and she's just enjoying a little tipple. Then again... I'll get another. Yeah, Sharon's drinking too much. The stress, the pressure, it's gotten to her. Give us a minute, back inside. Whoa, Varro in charge. I won't let you ruin this for us. She's talking to the woman. You want to get us all locked up for good? What difference does it make? Sooner or later, they're going to realize the information we've been feeding them is just a bunch of lies anyway. Information you've been feeding them? What are you talking about? I, I thought we were all giving them the same misinformation. We're cooperating with them, all of us. <laughs> How can you all be giving the same misinformation <laughs> when you don't know what each other's saying? Good point. You want me to play the game, I'll play it, but I'm not taking don't that. Don't I'm not taking Don't play any game at all! Just keep your mouth shut. Varro in command mode, which 
kind of indicates he did have a high position in the initial assault team. But makes you wonder, will Simeon actually listen to him? After all, he did get uh, kind of demoted by Danik. Damn it. Now, now, Rush. Temper. <laughs> Again with this? No gates. Altered course. Bet you a day's rations he doesn't answer. Given what we've seen from Brody in regards to how he treats Rush, it's surprising that even he is starting to question him, which makes you think that Rush is going to be discovered sooner rather than later. And that is not going to go well at all. There will be a pattern to the jump intervals, however frequent they are. There's also the changes in the ship's course once we drop out of FTL. Also seems too coincidental that every time this happens, we can't seem to get a hold of Rush. He's doing this. Thank you. Finally, somebody has put two and two together and figured out that all these miraculous things are happening when Rush isn't present, which indicates that he's up to something. About time they tracked him down, get him followed by Kino, put a guard on him. Sooner or later, he'll give himself away. He can't help himself. You didn't answer my call. I sent Corporal Barnes to your quarters. Where are you? Okay, so, uh, so what's happening? What's wrong? Just trying to figure out what's going on with Destiny. Where the hell were you? That's it, Colonel. Keep pressing him. Don't let him wriggle out of it. Oh, that's clever. Okay, that's one lie down. Now come here to think. And right on the walls. Working on problems that have confused us since we set foot in this ship, Mr. Brody. Yeah, it's a different lie. He's revealing a different secret. It's wonderfully layered. The man, the man could give Machiavelli lessons. Whatever alien influence she's under, it's studying this ship. So, you think she's hijacked the ship's system during one of her blackouts? Something she could have said in motion days, perhaps even weeks ago. Rush tries to change the subject. <laughs> He's not having it. I like the way he puts the blame on Chloe. <laughs> Looking at the Rush-Brody relationship, he's not so much an acolyte as he is a graduate researcher. Whoa. Is it just me or is got being extra creepy? That was a dramatic musical sting. Hey, Sergeant. Eyes front. Uh-huh. Uh, this sex is off limits. It wasn't earlier. It is now. Why? Back to your quarters. Not someone... It's not a good idea to challenge. Greer, he just doesn't air. I'm not sure Greer likes anyone. Get me to do something so you can lock me back up. Back to your quarters. Are you talking tough? You're armed. You got your men here covering you. (laughs) That's true. But then Izzy, if they've just cordoned off her quarters, which is what I took from this, is they've isolated her to her quarters, possibly, and that's why that area is now off limits, but it wasn't earlier. <laughs> now do you really want to <laughs> challenge me? You were saying. Game on. <laughs> right, I have no weapon. I think this would be called a tactical withdrawal. I don't think Simeon is afraid of Greer. In fact, he probably welcomes the opportunity to have a go at somebody who he considers a threat. It really doesn't help that the doors sound like prison cells. You okay? Well, this is a bit of an awkward situation, isn't it? And mostly Scott's doing since he ratted her out. And then stood guard over her in the guise of a, a loving friend. Colonel's just doing this as a precaution. Just gotta wonder what Eli thought. He <laughs> like, They don't know yet. I feel like I'm slipping away, bit by bit. No, no, we're, we're gonna figure this out. We're gonna fix it. I promise. So is this a dedicated cell then, a confinement area? I just thought it was the other side of forces. There's a long road ahead for these pair. You can't sleep. You can't sleep. You've been drinking a lot. I recognise these symptoms. This whole scene between Sharon and Camille was shot at the end of the day. Again, back in the rented house. They had a lot of trouble with this scene. They had wanted to make use of the glass reflection. Hopefully to include the actress playing her other self. Unfortunately, they couldn't get it to work properly. So they had to make do. Still looks pretty good though. 
Yeah, because they've done tricks with sort of mirrors and windows where literally the other person has been standing next to them, but because of the angle of the camera and the mirror and everything else, you see the other person. Very clever, but yeah, you need the right lighting and the right angles to make it work. But, but what keeps me sane are these few moments we're together. Being able to come home and, and see you and, and hold you. Even if it's just for a day or, or a minute. It's, it's what's keeping me going. She's your rock, but what about her? Again, as we've said before, the most solid and respectful relationship in the show. I'll be okay. I know. I know. It's coming up now. There. Chloe, the alien Armstrong. Certainly looks like she's possessed by something. An earlier one she wrote in the diary, but mostly she just sits or lays still, staring at the walls. I still can't detect any physical changes in her without proper equipment. I don't really know what else I can do. Colonel, I know you're just doing this to keep her away from others, but quarantine is not a long-term solution. Well, you know what you have to do. It's called the airlock. Brutal, maybe, but reliable. Unless, of course, another one of your crew suddenly starts behaving abnormally. Nurse. Wait, no, please, just just listen, and, and then... I'll leave. Help! That strange man's back in the hospital room. Whether you believe me or not. She doesn't. Fact is, I'm worried. Eli's worried. Worried would be the understatement of the century. Eli knows that if he leaves his mother with this situation unresolved, he will probably never see her alive again. And unfortunately, I get the feeling if she's not there for him, he's not really bothered about going back. The reason I got up in the morning never realised it fully until he was gone. A beautiful sentiment that shows how invested she is in her son, at the expense of her own life. Will I ever see him again? Oh, a straightforward question. And you've got to answer yes. Even if you think it's a lie, you've got to answer yes. If you have hope, the answer is yes. I can't leave her like this. I can't go back to that ship. If I leave her, she's going... Eli, Eli, listen to me. Whatever happens, you will get through this. Maybe, maybe you could talk to her. Someone else from the Stargate program, maybe then she'll believe me. I've got a better idea. I'll, I'll call you right back. She exploiting the IOA contacts her? It wouldn't surprise me if she's doing something along those lines. I know it's beyond her clearance. You're just going to have to make an exception. He, he unlocked the ninth chevron. He's... Quite possibly the most important person on that crew. We need him to be emotionally healthy, focused. You know what? I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. Make this happen. Oh, meow. Which is why I like the end of this episode that we'll get to. <laughs> well, how about that then? Miriam Wallace in the body of Jennifer Park on board Destiny to see her son, little Eli. Welcome to Destiny. So, has Jung come back from Earth? I don't think he's actually returned to the ship. I think he's been there the entire time or been about. But it's interesting because I very much doubt the same treatment would be given to other people of the Destiny. Eli. Now, come on. If you're not getting emotional over this scene, you're a heartless bastard. He's one of the people that didn't sign up to be there. Even if it was sort of sign up to be on Icarus instead of the actual mission. Everybody else knew what they were getting into, whereas he was, well, abducted, really. Yeah, he didn't get time to sign the papers. They beamed him up while he was still climbing the stairs. <laughs> no, <laughs> didn't get that far. I was speechless at first, too. Yeah. You didn't believe that. It's a stretchy lie. It's an amazing ship. We're still trying to figure it out. Which would be a lot easier if everybody was involved. See if there's some way we can get back home. I'll never stop trying, I promise. And remember, Eli, a good son never breaks a promise to his mother. Never. If you are the last person on that ship, you will never give up. You and me. 
<laughs> yeah, just a little bit. I'm so proud of you. Permission to cry, sir. <laughs> yeah, blew her mind, didn't it? Oh, yeah. Never saw that one coming. <laughs> and they made the point in the writer's room that they did not want this to be an overused plot point. To the extent they actually had in the scene, it was only going to be used this once. You're right. She's the one who made it happen. Colonel Young, come in. Yeah, go ahead. I think I have a solution to Chloe's condition. Well, let's hear it. The neural interface. Ah, yes. The magic cure-all. Rush's golden egg. I believe it can cure her. Dude, you believe it can do anything. And that's your problem. You're willing to let it try anything. Look, it's, it's relatively simple. From what I've learned so far, I believe the chair will not allow any non-human to interface with it. There's safeguards built in that will destroy any alien life form that tries to use it. So the chair kills off any potential alien matter inside her while leaving her human side unaffected. Exactly. You believe, meaning you're not sure. Well, no. I can't be absolutely certain. It's too dangerous. Look, I've made improvements to the program I developed when I used the chair. It should prevent her from being harmed. I'm now able to sever the connection externally at any time. She shouldn't have to sit in it for very long, a few seconds at if most. If you can't be 100% sure, I don't It's the best option should. anyone's come up with. The only option. Colonel, you can't force her to do this. Well, then I'll ask her. How can you be 100% sure on anything on this ship? But she makes a good point. It's the only option. <laughs> yeah, and what about Franklin? He survived, and then he, what, ascended? Go uploaded? Well, unfortunately, Rush is keeping that bit a secret. It's my idea, and I'm an arrogant little sh so it's going to work. But you will have to be naked. Pardon? Just kidding. I think this is part of the set that usually has the apple core in, isn't it? I'm not sure. Go ahead. I like the way the lighting just changes. Oh, we're not seeing the uh, cranial probes burrowing into the skin at all. No blood. Is it happened so quick when I first saw this? I did wonder is this just a trick for Rush to keep them from sort of like keeping her in solitary? Yes, anything's possible. She's breathing in her pulse is steady. Good news then, or is it? Did it work? I believe so. I'll soon find out, won't we? Yes, in an hour or so when they're eating lunch, if she suddenly starts convulsing and Big Alien bursts out of her chest, it didn't work. Wanted to thank you for pulling the strings to let my mom come here. I, I know it's something that a lot of people here would want. Um, she believe you now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, she does. Oh. Uh, they're discharging her from the hospital today. Oh. Anyway, it was great having you there to talk to. Heartfelt from Eli. Someone who, who gets what we're going through. Well, that one single phrase should give Camille something to think about. Let's see if she puts two and two together. We'll keep an eye on her, 24-7. Hmm, total surveillance. Kino's in the room. Wow. You know she's being watched. <laughs> no, I'm good. Just want to lay down for a little bit. And she was having a difficult time with it as well. Seeing this bit, this is when I thought, no, he knew that chair wasn't going to work because how would he know? Because it's not like he's got any device or knowledge tech whether it's actually worked. So it made me think, once I saw that bit, it's just like, no, he was definitely bullshitting again. Mrs. Wallace? Is this like a survivor's group? I'm Sharon Walker. Your son Eli suggested... Oh, yes. Hello. It's definitely a different one. It's almost filler. It makes perfect sense, though. Sharon needs a company, and so does Marianne. Yeah, I think is a lot of this is, especially with the next episode as well, setting up what happens with her as well. And it's just, yeah, there's a lot of... No. Oh yeah, definitely some set-up work going on. And here we get the revelation that the procedure didn't work. Maybe Rush knew it wouldn't work, but it bought him time. Simeon and his guard walking around Destiny... And Greer, in the background, always watching. The music used for this sequence is Ascolta by Ludovico Ionardi. He knew that chair wasn't going to work, because how would he know? Because it's not like he's got any device or 
knowledge to detect whether it's actually worked. So once I saw that bit, it's just like, no, he was definitely bullshitting again. Do you really think she can help you? I do, yes. She values her freedom. She'll play along without telling anyone. I need it to be this way. For now, anyway. But can you trust her? I've got a question for you, Nicholas. Can you trust yourself? And you know what? When you get right down to it, I think the answer is no. Lots of lamps. Yeah, clearly the proper department went nuts and like, they were like, look, we made three dozen of those. We spent X amount of thousands of budget on them, used them in the damn shops. The deliberator say anything about that? He's getting positively bearded. That there was not that much hair on his face at the start of the episode. No, we're near that's like three weeks later. That's seriously dilated. Uh, tell me that's not a reference to the gate. The highly dilated pupil with the coloured circle. Yeah. It's a stretch, but I'll meet you there. It's definitely a different one. It's almost a filler. Thing is, a lot of this is especially with the next episode as well, it's setting up what happens with her as well. And it's just, yeah, there's a lot of things that are sort of going on. Okay then, as you recall, we had issues with this podcast. A lot of the audio has had to be redone, including this wrap-up. So, the trivia for the episode, Carl Binder, the writer. He wrote two episodes of SG-1, 15 of Atlantis and 6 of Stargate Universe. He's also written for Houdini and Doyle, The Messengers, Cedar Cove, Transport to the Series, The LA Complex, and back in the day, he wrote 19 episodes of Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. A show my mother actually loves. There you go. Robert Carlyle, his first effort at directing, did a pretty good job, gotta say. The story of this, though, when they uh, signed up Robert, they talked about him directing some work, some of the episodes. Nothing much happened in the first season. During the hiatus between first and second, though, they gave him a call, said, are you still up to it? Are you still interested? He said yes. And they said, right then, first episode of the season. What that actually meant was you would start the first episode. It would actually hear the fourth. So Pathogen actually got about a month's prep rather than a few weeks. First time director makes obvious sense. If you want to check out Robert's other directorial effort, it's a theatrical feature called The Legend of Barney Thompson, a very dark Scottish comedy. I'm Barney Thompson, and I've got two styles. Short back and sides. Oh, oops. And back and sides. My life's always been boring. All I've got is that job. Barney, a wee word. Aye. If nae patter, Barney, you hang over the customers like a haunted tree. I'll be so quiet here, you, you know you're another... You're embarrassing yourself now, Barney. Be a lot of killed Barney. I saw that. Suddenly, I had my very own one-to-one copper breathing the money. I'm Detective Inspector Aldo. She was the last person I told him he's doing this. You, you feel guilty even though you, you've never done anything wrong. What now, Mum? Thompson's lying. He's hiding something. Barney Thompson, does that sound like a crazy serial killer to you? You don't even know where the bodies are. You've chopped them up. You've even labelled them. What is this? Some kind of conspiracy. It's my bingo night at the Paris. I can highly recommend it. It is a fun movie. Fantastic cast. Looks great. You should enjoy yourself. Right then. Again, since this episode is going to be a bit short, I'm delighted that Brad sent us some feedback. So uh, let's listen to Brad, and then we'll wrap the show up. Jack? Daniel? Are you you? Yeah, you. What? I like the yellow ones. Never mind. Hello, Alan, Mike, and guest from the Gatecast listeners. This is Brad from Australia with some feedback for the episode. Pathogen. Where'd Rush get all the chalk from for this episode? I don't think uh, that much was ever brought through. And the whole Chloe thing, it just stinks of Atlantis, start of season two, with Ford being under the Wraith enzyme. I just, I don't like where it's going. Cloverdale coming up, probably my two worst episodes for this season. All the stuff happening on Earth with Eli, yeah, non-disclosure, you're not really supposed to tell your mum that off on an alien spaceship. And Ray's partner's having issues now with not seeing her face or voice after the whole wheelchair body Amanda Perry thing. Sounds a bit weird. And finally, Rush really needs a co-pilot to uh, 
Destiny. Tell us some thoughts on this week's episode. I'll be back next week for some more comments. This has been Brad Australia. Thank you and goodbye. Thank you very much for that, Brad. My guess is that they visited a chalk planet and Rush, thinking ahead, filled up a backpack. Sorted for the entire journey. I never actually gave it much thought that uh, Chloe's storyline mirrored Ford's. When you mentioned it, I was thinking Taylor's as well. We'll see how it pans out. If anybody else wants to get in touch with us, here are our contact details. If you do fancy getting in touch with us, then you can do so via the contact form, which is on our website, which is gatecast.co.uk. Or you can send us an email using gatecastpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook and Google+, and carried on iTunes and Stitcher Internet Radio. You'll find all these links on the Gatecast website. We would appreciate a rating or review on any of these services to help promote the show. We thank those that have done so. The standalone RSS feed, which lists every episode we've released so far, can also be found on the website under Mission Reports. That link can be copied and manually added to a podcatcher, and that will give you direct access to all the shows we've released, unlike iTunes, which only lists the previous 25. Okay, let's wrap the show up. That was Pathogen. Next week we are going to be watching Cloverdale, again with Steve, and again, unfortunately, with the same audio problems. On the next all-new Stargate universe, a surprise attack causes worlds to collide. What's the matter with you? Here you got yourself killed the day before your wedding. He's dying, isn't he? Something's definitely wrong here. Stargate Universe, an original series, all new this Tuesday at nine, only on Sci-Fi. Okay then, Steve. As always, thank you very much for joining us. If you'd like to give your contact information and some of the information for the many podcasts you take part in. Find me all over the internet at Midnight Shadow 7. That's M-I-D-N-I-T-E and the number 7. And you can get me on podcasts such as Tribbles and Ecstasy, Frack Stars, occasionally on the G&T show, and some others. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, everyone, for putting up with this episode. Until next week, I've been Mike. I've been Steve. I've been Alan. Take care. Bye-bye. 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 You've been listening to The Gatecast, hosted by Alan and Mike. Join us at gatecast.co.uk. Stargate forever. Stargate forever.